which covers the states of Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin since 2008. The Paul Ministry seeks social justice and liberty of conscience for all people. Our presenter is a well-known speaker around um, our nation, this world. Um, he's grateful to be married to his wife, Donna Reed. Ah, and they have two beautiful, beautiful children, Megan and Michael. As a church elder, chapter 27, which begins with, The Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, Lord, as we are in your presence, we pray now that you'll bless this presentation, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom and understanding. Pray, oh God, that we continue um, to use our voices, oh God, to, to help those who, are, who cannot speak, who cannot do things for themselves, oh God, that we can speak up for them and help them every step of the way. So bless our presenter in Jesus' name, amen. Come on and put your hands together for Edward Woods. I want to thank the bishop of this house. Oh, come on, this is your pastor, the bishop of this house. It's always good to have a right bishop, because you can always get a wrong one, but it's good to have a right one. And I, it's a double barrel of blessing, because my friend is here, and his lovely wife, Pastor, I know he rocked the house for y'all this well. Come on now, for the word of God, for the word of God, because if he didn't rock the house, y'all talk about him like a dog, and then he runs on his way. But we thank him and his lovely wife. He said the right Katrina, not the hurricane, but the right Katrina. And so we're happy here. I bring you greetings from Lake Region Conference, our president, Dr. R. Clifford Jones. The president, and I also bring greetings from a mutual friend who is adopted father from Pastor Hunter in terms of Pastor Dr. Bishop Jerome Hurst as well. Um, we formed the Conscience and Justice Council. Um, we'll talk a little bit more at the end, but once you know, we're coming to St. Louis in 2022. So mark your calendars. We're here also looking at a property to host our Conscience and Justice Convention. And if you are here, we hope that you would come out but we're looking at one of the hotels by the airport with regards to this. Knowing it's Black History Month, your pastor gave me um, in detailed instructions about what I should do and will do under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your loving kindness, your grace, and your mercy. And we hope that the words that are shared today is done to your name, honor, and glory. In the worthy and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the, word, in the book, Woke, um, it gives you a definition of what the woke church means. A lot of the time our kids are saying, are you woke, are you woke, are you not woke? If you remember, President Obama um, came out with a statement probably about six weeks ago. And what the kids were doing, they were getting on Twitter, they were getting on Facebook and calling people out as if that was a way to say that's what being woke is. And I want to give you a definition that we're working from so that we have clarity throughout the presentation. Amen? Amen. It says the woke means making sure that you're tuned into your what? Amen. That you're doing everything that you can to not only what? But to bring someone else what? Amen. To ensure we all have the same. Information. It's not enough to be on your own. You need to help what? You need to help what? Along to also get what? Woke is a what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
uh-oh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And, folk, we have to understand in this public affairs and religious liberty ministry that we call conscience and justice, we have to have the consciousness of Christ. And so many times we identify the black church as the consciousness of Christ. And when the black church was moving in the 60s, we were in tune with our community, and the church was not the second or the third or the fourth. It was the first resource to come. So-and-so got shot, we came to the church. So-and-so needs a job, we came to the church. So-and-so needs help, we came to the church. We've got to get back to where the church becomes the first resource, a trusted resource, a God-filled and spirit-led resource that if anything is going on in my life, I'm coming to Tabernacle of Praise. Uh-oh, kind of a little quiet. I know he preached you out of house and home, so it must be the food. It must be the food. Now, y'all got to shake it a little bit, you know, shake it and rattle it and let it go, but shake it and rattle it and let it go, but stay woke. Don't fall asleep on me. Okay, every four years, we call what's called the American National Election Survey. So it will come out in 2021. And what it says for the first time in the history of our country the first time in the history of the country, people believe that the Bible is the word of God, but not everything in it should be taken literally. For the first time in history, the Bible is the word of God, but not everything in it should be taken literally. Before, what they believed was the Bible is the word of God, and everything in it should be taken literally. Now, for the first time, we see a switch, and this is, you know, you, got, you guys got to pay attention. Everybody wants to look at what the Catholic Church is doing. Y'all need to pay attention to what's happening in the world. I mean, I stop trolling, folk, troll events, and see it, because there's going to be Catholics in heaven. You know, Ellen White did tell y'all that. I know some of y'all just hate Catholics. I don't understand why, because they do more for folk than any other yeah. charity in the world is the Catholic Church, including Adra, just so you know. The Catholic charities do more for people of color yes. than any other charity in the world. Yes. So you have to be more concerned about what they believe yes. instead of trying to group a whole people. As, as black people, we know better than anybody what happens when you group a whole folk together. Now, I just want you to give y'all a biblical perspective because I know Pastor Hunter's deep in the word. And y'all get kind of confused about who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. So we just like to eliminate this so we don't have to talk about it later, Pastor, over there. Says, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only what? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be what? So if you're going to heaven, you want to what? Believe in who? Very simple. Everybody understands that, right? But who's going to hell? Oh, there's a text for that. Y'all didn't know. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, read it. Surely you know that the people who do what? Will not inherit what? Do not be what? Those who sin what? Worship what? Take part in what? Those who are what? Or men who have what? Those who what? Are what? Get what? Lie about or rob what? Now, some of y'all are homophobic. And y'all say, y'all be wearing that thing out 
about homosexuality. And it's in the text. But I'm just asking you to preach the entire text about who's not going. Homosexuals ain't going, it's clear. Adulterers ain't going. Fornicators ain't going. The lot, y'all got all the same fate because it's in the word of God. Oh man, liars ain't going. Robbers ain't going. And y'all have been presented a false picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're not struggling with a particular sin. Time to get woke. Time to get woke. And see, y'all can't go on the coattails of Pastor Hunter or Pastor Palmer. You better know Jesus for yourself. And the Lord is going to say, did you study to show thyself approved? And so I just want you to know, like, okay, everybody wants to talk about when we have these presentations, but what do you think about gay marriage? It's very clear. I didn't write the Bible. The Bible stands on its own. Where are they going? But let's not just say that. Where are the rest of them going? I know one of y'all got a rendezvous tonight about after sunset. And y'all go on the same express ticket to hell as the homosexuals y'all talk about, the lesbians y'all talk about. I just want y'all to know, y'all go on the same place. Whether you're Adventist or not, you go on the same place. Because you don't believe in God. Are we clear? Are you woke? God's character. I want you to know something about God. God is not human that he should what? Not a human being that he should what? Does he speak and then not? Does he promise and not what? For God does not show what? Jesus Christ is the same what? In other words, folks, some of y'all got some shifty characters. And y'all think because they give you money for your community that you should vote for them. Some of y'all been bought cheaply, cheaply, and y'all, and y'all have compromised yourself to pay off some bills because you want some, they want your vote and they don't care about you. Uh-oh. And so you need to understand just because someone acts godly doesn't mean they are godly. It's by their fruits that you will know that if you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now there's some confusion as to whether or not character matters. Character does matter. Otherwise God wouldn't tell you about his character. Character matters. Our Adventist pioneers, something that you need to know about our church, our Adventist pioneers were Caucasian in nature. But they had the consciousness of Christ. Did you know John Byington was an abolitionist? Yes, the first president of the General Conference, a white man, was an abolitionist. So I want you to know the history of our church and how they've gone away from it because they don't have the consciousness of Christ. Uriah Smith said he condemned whitewashed villainy emanating from the pulpits as it relates to slavery. Adventist Review and Sabbath Herald, June 17, 1862. James White labeled laggards those who did not endorse freedom of the slave in present truth. I want you to know the history of our church so that they get it correct. Our pioneers were in support of us as a people Whereas our present folk can't even utter the words of our dead pioneers. 
Joseph Blake said, this land of liberty, this heaven-daring, soul-destroying, slave-holding, neighbor-murdering country. What you know what our founders said about this church that we don't hear today? Sometimes I wonder, are we better off with our founders than our present leaders when it comes to conscience and justice? So I don't want you to be deceived that our pioneers did not have an ear and were in tune to the crisis of their time because those that are in leadership now appear not to be in tune. Having said that, this is not limited to white folk. You have some black folk. Uncle Tom's, Mr. Tom's, any Tom. <laughs> that have no consciousness because they care more about the advancement of themselves than they do for justice. And this was paramount with our leaders. And I never want that to get lost in translation or confusion that this church was woke and unashamed when it came to us. And anyone that's been ostracized, marginalized, or oppressed for any situation. Our Island White says, are we not under even greater obligation to labor for the black community than for others? Who is it that held these people in servitude? Who kept them in ignorance and pursued a course to debase and brutalize them? Is there not much to do them from the white people? After so great a wrong has been done them, should not an earnest effort be made to lift them up? Sin rests upon us as a church because we have not made greater effort. Every effort should be made to wipe out the terrible wrong which has been done to them. This is what Ellen White said. I want you to make sure you clearly understand that this church had a consciousness, but it decided to go asleep and to hide their shame. Sanction SDA discrimination. Um, Dr. Calvin B. Rock in his book, Protest and Progress, listed the three areas of, I'm talking about sanction, where this was approved by the institution. Loma Linda said we had a difficulty of training students that were colored students, talking about black students, and the nationality students, and wouldn't let them in. Um, The picture you see is Lucille Byard. And Lucille Byard was a light-skinned black woman. It's an etching right there. And in Adventist sanatoriums, they could not obtain treatment, and black laborers were kept out of cleaning treatment rooms because they didn't want to contaminate them for their white patients. I'm telling you what happened. Sanctioned discrimination in this church, cafeteria, dorms, and churches at Andrews University, if there was a table of eight, you had to wait of eight, pe- eight black people to come to the cafeteria before you could go in and get your food so you could be limited to that one table. Now, before, you know, you just get your lunch, you just walk on in. wasn't always that way. And they were not allowed in the white section. So, you know, there were sections in the cafeterias, dorms, and churches. And this church, so, you know, you sing, we come this far by faith. Yes, we have. We've come this far by faith. Sometimes the enemy is not only outside, but it's inside. But yet through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust his holy word. Does somebody have a testimony? 
where they can talk about through it all. So this is what happened. But the thing that's so ironic is the Adventist Sanitarium, Adventist Healthcare now, has changed their whole position. And they are embracing diversity and change and making sure every patient has access as much as possible without discrimination to healthcare. And what's also so funny about this story is she was, you know, she came in there, she was sick, took a train from New York, and they put her out, and she died about 30 days later at the Adventist Free, at the Adventist, at the Freedman's Hospital, which is owned by Howard University. Now Adventist Healthcare is looking to purchase the hospital where Lucille Byard died and change their perception of what healthcare should be like. So we give God the glory that despite the trials and the pain and the tribulations, he's still sovereign and in control. And he's a loving God and a forgiving God. And so in other words, our history can become his story if we confess our sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So one of the things in the committee, they talked about the duty of white Adventists and I need to make sure you're very clear in your understanding. Regional conferences were not formed because we wanted them. We wanted to stay within the present structure. They voted to start regional conferences because the only thing Pastor Hunter and Pastor Palmer could do was pastor. They couldn't, go do, they couldn't do missionary work overseas. They couldn't hold a church departmental director. They couldn't be president, secretary, or treasurer. All they could do was pastor black churches. Okay, so the guests, in terms of the Adventist church, let me explain that in our church structure, all they could, black people could do is pastor black churches. That was it. There was no upward mobility at all. And so we had this committee, and if you read Dr. White's, Dr. Rock's book, you will see what they said. They said, we need you to repair as far as their power past injury done to the colored people. And this is in um, Testimonies, volume 7, page 230. They also say they need to show exact and impartial justice to the Negro race. They wanted to increase the labor face of colored workers, labor force, sorry, of colored workers. At the time, there was only one. It was called the Vice President for Negro Affairs. And he would eat by himself at the general conference because nobody would eat with him. They also wanted to throw their influence of practice practice against the custom and practice of the world. In other words, the segregation and the Jim Crow and the stuff that was going on in the 40s that came into the 60s, they say, stop being like the world and let's be like Christ. In other words, instead of the world influencing the church, let the church influence the world under the unction of the Holy Spirit as stated in the word of God. Am I making sense? So I just kind of want to give you a history of kind of what's going on and how the church has benefited from the regional work. So although we wanted to stay together and not have separate regional conferences, God has still blessed us. Yes. Hallelujah, somebody. He has blessed us. Look at our retirement system for our pastors. Instead of them working 40 years, they only have to work 30 years. So although, they did, although we wanted integration, they voted for separation. God is still in control, and he has blessed us and still takes care of our own, his own. Theologians under Hitler, Robert P. Erickson, author of Theologians under Hitler, and he says, Christianity became confused 
with such a large package of cultural factors that it was no longer distinguished on its own. In other words, God doesn't show any discrimination to either the Gentile or to the Jew. There's no discrimination against God. But what he's saying is the culture has influenced the word of God instead of the word of God influencing the culture. In other words, folk, we believe in the word of God. We believe in the redemptive word of God. doesn't matter if you're black or white. doesn't matter if you have hair or no hair, whether you're male or female, or your education or your class. It doesn't matter. We put these demographics. We put these cultural factors. God is a universal God, and all that matters is your lifestyle. And if either you reflect Christ or you don't. He don't care what color you are. He don't care about none of that stuff. Either you're with me or you're against me. If you're with me, heaven. Against me, hell. That's it. We have put this cultural stuff, and we have made that a challenge for us. Dangers of neutrality. Ali Whistle, Holocaust survivor, says we must take what? Neutrality helps the what? Never the what? Silent encourages the what? Never the what? Sometimes we must what? When human lives are what? When human dignity is in what? National borders and sensitivities become what? Whenever men and women are persecuted because of their what? Religion or what? That place must at that moment become what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That means I got to care about those immigrants at the border? Uh-oh. I got to care about these Muslims who are being falsely accused as being radical Islam? Uh-oh. Well, what about David Koresh in 1993 in Waco? Y'all forgot about We spent millions of dollars trying to repair the reputation of the Adventist church because we had a fanatical group in Waco that was distorting our name. Now, if we were true to the Bible and people knew us for our love, we wouldn't need to spend millions of dollars because our actions would speak louder than our words. And folk, we try to be politically correct that we're no earthly good. Holocaust and Adventists. Did you know church leaders in Germany and Austria apologized? Oh, yes. Because they're for their participation in or support of the Nazi activities. They apologized. Um, yes, they did. They apologized. They acknowledged failure to protect the Jews from the Holocaust, and they exterminated. I want you to understand how many people they exterminated. More than 6 million Jews from 1933 to 1945. Woke and unashamed. Civil rights movement. Dr. Samuel London, in his book, Seventh-day Adventist and the Civil Rights Movement, gave five reasons why the Adventist church as an institution was not involved. Yes, we had people, E.E. E. Cleveland and others, Elder Cleveland and others that were involved, um, Elder Earl Moore who was involved. You had a lot of different activists, but the church as an institution was inactive. The first reason was called pragmatic and in church interests. 
This is the process of decision making when one seeks to advance his or her own call. In other words, it was saying it was not in our best interest. Now, I get so tired when people say that social justice is not in our best interest. Social justice is the gospel. <laughs> okay, God cares about people. And if you don't believe God cares about people, open your Bible and read it. Every book in the Bible has something to say about God's justice. Conservatism, this is an ideological point of view that says, let's not rock the boat. Let's just keep the thing the way things are. You know, I, 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 let's, just, let's, just, let's just keep it the status quo. You know, you know, trouble comes and goes, but let's not just, let's just not rock the boat. Now, mind you, in the civil rights movement, people are getting beaten, killed by the police, churches are being bombed, houses are being bombed, People are acting in a, in a nonviolent way, and we're just going to keep the status quo. Imagine what you understand. Remember Jimmy Lee Jackson? Jimmy Lee Jackson was the guy that got killed in Marion. He was an activist on, on a voting rights. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? And um, Dr. King did this speech on March 25, 1965, called Our God is Marching On. And he said, Hello! <laughs> Hello! You don't remember that? We, we gonna deal with second. Hello! Are we gonna deal with Jim Crow? Hello! That's what he talked about. And y'all want to talk about keep the status quo and folk are dying, four little girls are dying in the Birmingham church. You bomb a church? Hello! Christian fundamentalism, this is faith, and you know what, just believe in God, and everything will be all right. Now you're going to tell folk to believe in God and keep on moving, and they're hungry, they can't eat, <laughs> they're getting shot. Well, just keep on God. Now, folk, that's not a true testimony of faith and its relevancy in modern society. Evangelism, you know what, the primary goal is, to, is baptism. We don't care how your, what your condition is. We just want to baptize you. In other words, we care about numbers, but don't care about people. We care about quantity, but not quality. And then this last one is like, well, if you just, if you just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Now, I ain't no way in the world anybody in their mamas came out of the mama's womb and didn't pull themselves up by, you didn't, somebody didn't teach you how to use the bathroom. Y'all talking about I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. That is just crazy. Who taught you how to read? Who taught you how to, how, 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 to, how to do the work at your job? You have to understand every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father. In other words, I can do all things through Christ. Which just me, this me, find me attitude is where I got Nebuchadnezzar set out, in, set out in that desert, in that wilderness. Remember, he was an animal. Y'all started that for seven years. You remember that? Because he, he, he had pride in his heart. And guess what? He thought he was a self-made person. He thought he did everything for himself. This individualism is for the birds. You can't do anything without God. And these are the five reasons why the church didn't get active in the civil rights movement. But this is what Gandhi says. I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because they are so unlike your what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's, is, do y'all resonate with that? I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because they are so unlike your Christ. Dr. King said the greatest tragedy of this period of social transition is not the strident clamor of the bad people, but the appalling silence of church folk. Because I've never met church folk who said they aren't good people. I just never met them. Maybe y'all have. 
Even, are we talking about evangelicals? Y'all thought I was going to leave that out? No. Evangelical has value only if it names our commitment to seek and to demonstrate the heart and mind of God. And who? Who is the what? To be evangelical is to respond to God's, into, oh, to my goodness, to respond to God's call to deeper faith and humility. It also leads us to repudiate and resist all forms of what? And what? And all other attitudes and action, overt and implied, that subvert the dignity of people who are made in the image of God. The evangel holds our evangelicalism to account and not vice versa. So I want you to understand, y'all get caught up in this whole evangelical stuff. I bet this is telling you what it means as it relates to evangelical. Because you know we are, we are evangelicals. You do know that, right? But the problem is, is the way evangelicalism is being portrayed. The evangelical right. The critique of the right is that Christian America is at war with any and all liberalism, evangelical or otherwise. It is in serious danger of losing conservative virtues and spiritual practices. Now, what they will do is they will point, if you remember we talked about earlier in the American National Election Survey, they will, they will point to, well, they believe that the Bible is the word of God, but they don't believe that everything in it should be taken literally. And they're pointing to the increasing amount of secularism in today's world. And, folks, you have to understand the consciousness of individuals is not the responsibility of the church body. It's Christ's responsibility. In other words, when folk reject the Holy Spirit, it's not the church's fault. It's the individual's fault. You understand what I'm saying? The church's responsibility is to show the love of Christ in a dying world, not to force their will on individuals. Uh-oh. But what about the sinners? Well, you're going to have some people that are going to reject the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the unpardonable sin. You can't stop people from rejecting the Holy Spirit. I know, that, I know that was like, a, like really? Yeah, you, you can't do it. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, not yours, not mine. And so many of y'all want to be the Holy Spirit, and you get frustrated trying to be God because you can't be God. Evangelical left, the pretty pressure of the evangelical left, that the good news of Jesus Christ has been taken hostage by a highly charged, toxic subculture or the evangelical right that in the name of God expresses steely resolve to have his own way in the public square. State of the Union, you guys listened to that this week? It talked about how he has placed um, more than 180 conservative judges that are going to vote the way they want them to vote. And this is the problem the evangelical left is. It's like if we don't agree with what you say, then you're going to force your will anyway in the public square. So you see where the fight is. One is fighting secularism. One is fighting choice. So you see both of those. Muslim hatred. Franklin Graham, his father was the um, late Billy Graham. One of the problems that we have in the West is that our governments, especially in Washington, have been infiltrated by Muslims who are advising the White House, who I think are part of the problem. And we see this also in Western Europe. Now, folk, the evangelicals, especially evangelicals that are supporting Trump, do not like any religion that doesn't believe in Christ. 
So they have a problem with Muslims. They have a problem with Hindus. They have a problem with atheists. They have a problem with those who are just disinterested. And so they have a problem with them, and they speak out against them. And so you have to understand what is happening here, because we're to love everyone, regardless of where they are on the religious spectrum. You know, we would want them to believe in Christ. I understand that. But we're to love them anyway. Pastor Graham, this is what Pastor Billy Graham says, Franklin Graham's dad. He said it would do, it would disturb me if there was a wedding between the religious fundamentalists and the political right. The hard right has no interest in religion except to manipulate it. The Bible is the unadulterated word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 is very clear. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's right there. Everything. You can't manipulate God's word. Religious impact. You know, in the election, 80% of white evangelicals and 60% of Catholics voted for Trump. They support Trump for a staunch stance against abortion and Muslim ban. Clinton was supported by non-Christians, Jews at 71%, others at 62%, and the religious unaffiliated at 68%. Now, did you know, at Seventh-day Adventist, we have a litmus test? Did you know that? Oh, you didn't know we had a litmus test at Seventh-day Adventist? Probably, y'all probably thought it was capital punishment, didn't you? Y'all probably thought it was abortion. We are not to vote for men or women who use their influence to repress religious liberty. You didn't know that. If we do, we are partakers with them of the sins which they commit while in office. Where did you get that at? Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 475, last day event, page 127, and Gospel Workers, page 391. I just want you to know I'm documenting this presentation, not shooting from the hip. You got the right bishop here, so he has high standards. We have a litmus test. Well, I asked, I asked them. When I found out we had a litmus test, I started asking candidates, where do you stand on religious liberty? Because that is our litmus test, the Seventh-day Adventist. Evangelical Advisory Board. Paula White said, let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken down. Let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. Folk, I can newsflash, Trump is not God. And saying no to Trump is not like saying no to God. And just because you guys worship and adore these evangelical leaders that are spewing this nonsense and fraudulent um, depiction of the word of God doesn't mean you have to follow it. Folk, you better study to show thyself approved and know the word of God for yourself. And I know y'all bought them $30 handkerchiefs because y'all wanted to touch the hem of his garment so that y'all could be whole. I'm just telling you it's a hoax, kid. Don't do it. Now you Don't raise your hand. I sometimes I say, Pastor Hunter, raise your hand if you bought a handkerchief. Don't raise them. Don't raise them. Don't, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't, don't raise them. No, don't raise it. But, folks, you got to be careful who you follow. Just because someone is a pastor and a tremendous evangelist doesn't mean they're saved. Once saved is not always saved. Paul says, I die daily. In other words, sanctification is a process of a lifetime. Hello, somebody. It's a process of a lifetime. And just because you had a good day today doesn't mean you're not going to go backwards tomorrow. Evangelicals for Trump are focused on abortion and marriage. Their median age of white evangelicals and white Christian overall is 55, according to the Public Religion Research Institute. More than 25% of the U.S. electorate 
is evangelical. They need this vote. I want you to understand why you heard what you heard in the State of the Union. That State of the Union, he was catering to his base because he was trying to ensure this vote because the real fight is with the, um, is with the independents. And it dropped from, this is why they're concerned, they dropped from 23% in 2006 to 15% in 2018, evangelicals in the country. But they're struggling to attack and retain younger members. They're having a hard time with their millennials and Generation Z. So they're trying to figure out what to do so they can keep their conservative stronghold and their influence in the government. Roman Empire, this is very interesting. Richard Bachman said this at the University of Cambridge. The Roman Empire, like most political powers in the ancient world, represented and propagated its power in religious terms. See, folks, you have to be very careful when people start using religious terms to, um, and it should be a signal for trouble. It's state religion featuring the worship both of deified emperors and of traditional gods of Rome expressed political loyalty through religious worship. Because you remember, the Bible started off as a theocracy. You remember? It was a theocracy. And we have to understand, we operate in a theocracy where God reigns supreme, even though our government is a democracy. Because the government can't put you in heaven, but God can. Through religious worship. In this way, it absolutizes its power, claiming for itself the ultimate divine sovereignty over the world. So every time people want to say, you know, I'm a man of God. Okay. You can be a man or a woman of God, but what do your actions show? And folk, people will use religious language to manipulate folk to believing in what they're saying is what God says. And they're deceptive and they're fraudulent in their behavior. Um, um, Jim Wallace, the editor of Sojourners, wrote a book, Christ in Crisis, Reclaiming Jesus. And these are the things that he says we have to do as we prepare to close. We believe each human being is made in what? We believe we are what? In Christ, there is no oppression based on what? Or that's it. I mean, make sure we're very clear. We're not talking about orientation in terms of how people identify in terms of nationalities. I want people to get confused. We believe how we treat the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, and prisoner is how we treat who? We believe that truth is morally central to our what? In other words, you can't tell folk you can grab women by the private parts and then act like that doesn't matter. Or you can shoot somebody on, on, in, on, on Fifth Avenue and nothing's going to be done. Character matters. And when you're so happy about what people are doing for you and you're quiet when it comes to their character, you have been compromised because God's character is love. Believe that Christ's way of leadership is servanthood, not what? Christ came to seek and to save those who are what? Lost. In other words, folk, it's not all about me, and it's not all about you. It's about other people. We believe Jesus when he tells us to go into all the nations making disciples. In other words, there's no asshole countries. Oh, y'all got quiet on that. Y'all got quiet on that. 
all the nations. In other words, we don't care what they can do for America. We care about them as human beings who are created in the image and likeness of God. In the book Church Refugees, it's talking about what's happening with the church. And the two things that is taking place that is happening with the church is called loss of trust and loss of confidence. And it says 68% of the people had confidence in the church in 1975. And according to the latest Gallup poll that was taken last year, that number has dropped to 36%. What has killed the confidence? The Catholic priests abuse scandals. You heard about the abuse scandals, child abuse scandals. Southern Baptist allegations of sexual harassment and abuse among that denomination's leader. And then you notice uh, about a month ago, the United Methodist Church split over same-sex marriages and allowing LGBT individuals to be clergy. This loss of trust, these three factors, have contributed to a loss of trust. Now, having said that, these are factors that are in the newspaper that have gotten widespread abuse, but it also happens in our church. We're quiet. If a kid is being abused, you report that immediately. This is not a safe haven for child abuse. This sexual harassment and abuse among denominational leaders, these extramarital affairs, the fornication, adultery, it's in the Adventist church too. Now the same-sex marriage goes against our doctrine as well as allowing LGBT individuals to be clergy members, but we've allowed them to be officers in the church. And that's a problem. Loss of relevancy. Rather, people are more likely to see the church as a kind of niche political institution because the Evangelical Advisory Board that's ultimately not concerned with their day-to-day existence. They view the church as inwardly focused and consumed by the politics of its own survival. In other words, we don't care about the community anymore. We're just trying to figure out how we're going to survive as a church, how we're going to be this niche group so that we can meet those that we love and that we like to be a part of the church. We don't want to integrate We just want to keep what we have and just make it ours. We're not relevant. We're not relevant. We're not the first resource like we used to be. The people had a reason to come to our church because they were being ostracized. They were being marginalized. They were being discriminated. And they knew the church was a trusted resource where they were not always asking for money. Then the preacher's going off in a... a, um, What's the, what's the car I want to say? A Rolls Royce. Sons of Issachar. No, no, I'm not driving a Rolls Royce. That car is old. It's not even in this century. <laughs> Sons of Issachar, they understood the population and the place where they lived. They understood the times and discerned when to move. And after they did that, they knew what Israel ought to do and the steps that should be taken. Folk, What happened 55 years ago in the civil rights movement is not relevant in 2020. In the 55 years ago, we had televisions. 2020, we got social media. Things have changed. But we need to understand the times and discern when to move. In other words, we need to have a pipeline to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords so that we're moving when he says move. But we have to look at the problems differently. Did you know segregation in Memphis is worse now than it was, again, with Plessy versus Ferguson? And it's quiet. 
You know, voting rights at the federal level is worse now than it was with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. I mean, are you seeing how things are being taken away from us? And the church that was a voice in the 60s has gone deathly silent in the 20s. We got to get that Issachar generation back. The Science of the Times said this over, over 100 years ago. The life of the church depends on the interest its members manifest in those outside, not inside, outside of the fold. Christ's method of evangelism is still relevant today. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior did what? As one who desired good. He showed his what? He ministered to them their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them to what? In other words, folk, Christ's method of evangelism is heart work, not just hard work. See, y'all so busy getting people dumped in the pool that you don't care about them as individuals. You don't know who they are, and they don't know you until the semi-annual evangelistic campaign, and you passing out tracts and flyers, and they're rushing back to the church so y'all can have your potluck. Do you know their names? Do you know what they want prayer for? Do you know their concerns? What happens if you spent time with them and they never joined the church? Will you still keep in contact with them? Christ cared about quality, never quantity. In relationships, it takes hard work. It's not this instant microwave popcorn. It takes hard work. And it says Christ's method and Christ's method alone is going to give true success. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. Follow it. It's in the gospel. And it works. But we don't want to put the heart work that's needed to go into it. Ministry of Healing, page 143. Three categories of justice. Intervening, practice, and doing ensures character. Folk, we've got to be in the process of just getting to know people. When people trust you and they see your character, it's like when y'all date somebody, y'all don't date the first person that come along. Y'all try to get to know, know them. You try to see their character. You try to, you try to go a background. You don't just marry anybody. Interview, you got to practice of doing. People want to check you out to see what you say is what you practice. And then you got to look at it from preventive, pray and think of ways to get ahead of the issues impacting our community. I'm so tired of everybody telling me, we did 500 Thanksgiving baskets this year, and last year we did 400. Now it means 100 more people needed food. What did you do to reduce the amount of people coming to get food? Oh, what a different way of thinking. Instead of being happy about the 500, we should be happy about 300 because 100 people don't need food because they were able to get jobs or they were able to get the resources that they needed to become self-sufficient. Why are we happy increasing the numbers of service instead of decreasing the numbers of service? In other words, folks, we're trying to look a way to, to get ahead of issues. True story. I was in Chicago and went to see Pastor Michael Flager. And he says, I am the um, pastor of the community, and my members are enlisted soldiers. And they went out in the community and said, what can the church help you to do? He said, they said, we have a prostitution problem. 
And he's like, well, instead of calling the police every time, let's see how we can do a preventative measure. So he met with the prostitute. You know what, the, you know what one of the issues were? They were hungry. And they needed food. And so they were prostituting themselves so they could feed themselves and their children. The other problem was they needed a job. So he had a job center created, and he helped them get job skills so they could support themselves and not do prostitution. Then the other issue was they couldn't get away from their pimp. Their pimp had a stronghold on them, so he paid for them to have relocation assistance to go to another family member. And in six months, what did I say? They eliminated prostitution 100%. A whole new different mindset when we do preventive. And then it's systematic. We got to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to attack systems. These systems that discriminate in mass incarceration. These systems that discriminate between male and female wages. These systems that we need to bring the gospel so we prick some consciousness into folk to change from their wicked ways or to speak up instead of falling into the status quo. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel doesn't spoil like milk. The gospel is the same yesterday and forevermore. The gospel is the resurrection and the life. The gospel is salvation and deliverance. The gospel is the good news of a savior who's coming back to take us home. This year, we want to invite you to the Conscious and Justice Council Convention. I'm your secretary, my good friend, Pastor Christian Josiah is our secretary for the Conscience of Justice um, Council. Your president's a good friend. We're Oakwood classmates at Oakwood, Elder Roger Bernard. But everyone counts, everyone matters. Pastor Michael Flager is coming, the one I told you about. Dr. Carlton B. Bird did an uh, evangelistic effort not too long ago here at St. Louis. He's going to speak Sabbath. Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, who's in charge of the Skinner Leader Inst- Leadership Institute. They do the Get Out the Vote rallies and get churches involved. She'll be a keynote speaker. Larry Johnson, Brotherhoods Against Drugs, uh, Magic Johnson's brother, is doing the opening keynote on Thursday. Folk, we knew drugs were bad. This opioid addiction was bad, but as soon as they got in the other community, all of a sudden it became a problem. He's going to talk about that. Um, Dr. Andrea Trustee King is going to speak, powerful speaker. She has a human trafficking ministry that she does through her church that she's involved in. She'll be there. Remember the Dr. Robert Erickson I told you about theologians under Hitler, the author? He's going to be there to speak. He's going to compare and contrast theologians under Hitler with theologians under Trump. That'll be the keynote address. So you want to be there September 24 to 27. All roads lead to Los Angeles, California. Sign up and be a part of this convention. For more information, um, you can go to www.cjcouncil.org. Whatever you speak, we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then here are the websites that you can get more information about the upcoming convention, cjcouncil.org. We're on Facebook, and Lake Region Conference has a Twitter. I want to thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the um, enthusiasm. I know y'all were probably full physically, but I hope you grew spiritually. God bless you. If there's... Any questions, I can take them at this time, but I hope it was clear and there was no ambiguity about conscience and justice.
Let's make sure we stay woke and not ashamed. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Andrews did apologize because I was there. And there was two things that happened. Um, actually, Lake Union apologized at the Lake Region Conference camp meeting. That was in 2015. And then um, Andrews apologized in 2016 at the Village Seventh-day Adventist Church for their past discrimination. Yes, they did. Um, Dr. Andrea Luxton did that as the president. And that was in October of 2016. What, you know, like you stated, the founders mm -hmm. had such a high regard for African-Americans, people of color. Where did it go wrong? I and think, how did it? I think instead of us influencing the world, we like allow culture influence us. And that's, what, that's the greatest tragedy is when culture dominates the word of God instead of the word of God dominating culture. So it's unfortunate. Yes, ma'am. With the conference coming this, is it this year? Yes. Okay. What do you hope to achieve? Is it just awareness or are you um, launching a chapter or something here? What we're doing, Everyone Counts, Everyone Matters, is we're trying to reinvigorate the public affairs of religious liberty ministry. So many times when you hear about religious liberty, you hear about where's my Sabbath accommodation letter, the Liberty Magazine campaign, and maybe trolling legislation. But we don't hear about the public affairs aspect. So what we're trying to do is strengthen and revitalize the public affairs of religious liberty ministry at each local church. So it's not just a one-time thing that we talk about the last Sabbath of January, but it's a ministry that permeates throughout the year. And a ministry should not be self-serving. It should be other-seeking. And so we want to change that ministry paradigm in terms of what public affairs or religious liberty was about to what it should be. And so at this particular ministry, the um, conference, we say everyone counts, everyone matters. We want to talk about the census. We want to make sure that you're going out in your community and people are being counted. Oftentimes, children are undercounted. And in Michigan in particular, every time you miss a child, that's $19,000 a year. You times that by 10, that's $190,000. That would normally come into your community is now absent because there's an undercount. So we want to make sure that everyone gets counted in your community. But we also want to make sure you're counting people in your church. Are people missing? Are people being marginalized? How can we strengthen our church so that they say, I count? Then everyone matters. You know, votes matters. We have voting this year, both at the general conference level, but also a national level. We want to encourage people to vote and register to vote. So our theme, everyone counts, everyone matters. It's just a way of showing that people who are created in the image and likeness of God, everyone counts, everyone matters. Yes. Oh, yeah, April 1st is kickoff. It's happening. It's happening. That's the kickoff date. And it'll go for April, I think, till July. And then they'll go door to door for those that they were unable to identify or find. And then it wraps itself up. So you want to make sure around your area here of Tabernacle of Praise that people are counted. 
because it makes a difference. With that, we're going to need volunteers to help in this community. So I'm going to be giving you some information. If you would like to volunteer to make sure we take the census, um, just volunteer, okay? I'll give you that information. Well, thank you so much for having me. God bless you, and may his face shine upon you. All right, put your hands together for our presenter. Those who are watching online, we thank you for joining us. Let's stay woke, right? Stay woke. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, we say thank you for what we have heard today. I pray, oh God, that we live the gospel. Pray, Lord, that we be a relevant church, oh God, that we stay woke. We pray, oh God, that you will help us, oh God, to just be your hands, your feet, and just continue, oh God, to help those who are in need, Lord. And I just pray, oh God, that you will just bless our two presenters, Lord, as they um, leave. Lord, we pray that you will take them home safely. And God, we just pray that you will bless us throughout this day and also through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you all. All of our guests that stayed behind, we appreciate you staying behind as well. Please come on back on next Saturday. Um, we have Chaplain Corey Douglas, Chaplain Corey Douglas from Oakwood University. He will be speaking right here. And we're going to be the relevant church. As you know, we launch our I Serve Compassion Day. It's going to be our outreach event. And so just come ready, dressed to serve. Amen. Take care. God bless you. All right. Continue to have a wonderful day. Don't forget, volleyball this evening. Northside Gymnasium, right? Get your clothes. Get ready. Get ready. I'm going to take this off. I'm getting ready. I'm going to jump. <laughs> I'm going to hit that ball over the net. We're going to have some fun. Amen. All right. Take care, family. Love you.